This is John Shannon with Radio Free Galisteo, and I am talking to our friend Harvey Sluggo Wasserman. We've had Harvey on before, and today we've got him on uh, talking about the recent the recent decisions from the the Supreme Court, particularly the Roe v. Wade decision, uh, or the decision to uh, remove Roe v. Wade. Harvey, welcome. Hey, it's great to be with you, man. Thanks. You've researched women's role here in the uh, the formation of the country, and um, in the context of what just happened with uh, with the Supreme Court, how different is that from from what women were originally doing in this country? Well, the, these jerks on the Supreme Court um, uh, came up with this idea of some kind of historical uh, situation where they say if it's not been a historical right you don't have a right to it. And they're claiming there's been no historical right to abortion and no historical right for women to control their own bodies because they're about to move on birth control. That will be a psychedelic moment when the Supreme Court of the United States says that women do not have a right to birth control. That's gonna be a really amazing uh, moment in this country's history. So the reality is that there have been indigenous societies in North America for 20,000 years, minimum. And many of the tribes in North America, especially including the Iroquois in upstate, what's now upstate New York, have been run by women. They, have, they were matriarchies. They still are in many cases. Mm -hmm. But the reality is that women um, uh, from New Mexico to uh, Canada um, uh, ran the homes, they raised the children, and they ran the gardens. That's the basic core of, of indigenous society. And women who had an unwanted pregnancy for 20,000 years in North America would deal with it with herbs. They, they, they were the Indians, the indi indigenous, and, you know, I usually call say indigenous, but Indians, I, I got to tell you, you know, part, John, part of the uh, indigenous culture has been a sense of humor. And I was I met the the first director of the Museum of the American Indian on the mall in Washington. And I said to him, uh, hey, man, he was a lawyer. He said, uh, how uh, how does it feel to you when they call call this first museum, the Museum of the American Indian? And he says, well, we like being called Indians because it reminds us that Columbus was lost. <laughs> <laughs> so I usually say indigenous, but Indian, you know, and after all, when they, when they started a militant organization, they called it the American Indian Movement. So what the heck? Right. So at any rate, the indigenous societies were run by the women. And if a woman had an unwanted pregnancy, she took herbs and there was no you know, there was no big law. There was no discussion with the father. You know, if you had raised the issue of banning abortion for 20,000 years in North America with the, with the indigenous woman, you would have gotten a blank stare. It would have been, what are you talking about? So abortion has become an issue in, in, Amer in, in America in the last, you know, 150 years. It's new. It was never mentioned that the, I, I am a historian. My book is The People's Spiral of U.S. History. I have taught U.S. history for decades. 
And I, you, you show me in the literature of American history, prior to the US Civil War, where there was any mention of abortion as an issue. It was a presumed right. Mm. And now these guys come forward and they say, well, there's no historical precedent for the right to an abortion. Give me a break. I mean, these guys have absolutely no concept of the history of our country. And I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting for them to try and ban uh, uh, birth control. I mean, you know, how do you simultaneously say, oh, abortion kills a, a living being and we can't have it, and then say, oh, you can't have birth control? What are they really advocating here? It's obviously the male domination of women. That's what it's really about. So when they say uh, banning birth control, they are specifically speaking about for women and not for men. Well, you know, um, uh, what are they going to do, uh, force every man to have a, a vasectomy? I mean, that, that'll be an interesting moment yeah. in our time. I got to say, John, you know, in the bigger picture, which I talk about in the People's Spiral of U.S. history, the biggest power transition in our species is not between black and white and different countries. It's between male and female. Mm. And the, the, the reason this is so psychotic, women who I say ran the indigenous societies. I mean, the, these were run, the core of life uh, among the Indian tribes was, was female. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this male domination is a European aberration. And worldwide, the biggest transition going on now, including in the United States, is the transition from a male-dominated society to a female. And you can say very simply, look, you know, men have been in charge for, what, four or 5,000 years? Hasn't gone very well, has it? We're yeah. not looking too good. So, <laughs> you know, maybe it's time we made that transition. And, you, and look at the Supreme Court. The three liberal or progressive or human uh, justices on the Supreme Court are now are all women. You have a, a Jewish woman, you have a, an a Latina, and now you have an African American. Mm -hmm. You know, that's where it's at. Why this? And this does seem. I mean, this seems like a pretty. Uh, it's a very conservative extremist court making these decisions. How did we? And why do you think we ended up? this way i mean and this gets into of course the last you know the the last several elections but why is it this uh this male dominant trend is coming on so hard right now because they're losing it's over it's mm. the darkness before the dawn you know these guys are pushing it's the same with nuclear power nuclear power is a, uh, and fossil fuels or what i call king kong coal oil nukes and gas they're on their way out mm -hmm. they're being transcended by renewable energy so of course in the dying days you have this horrendous pushback against solar energy you know they're trying to ban rooftop solar in mm -hmm. in in california and florida uh, around the country because the utility industry knows they can't compete with solar it's the last gasp of fossil nuclear fuels it's the last gasp of male domination it's the last gasp of of white domination hmm. and so you know it always gets nasty at the end there it's, it's the final shootout as a historian we're going to be looking over a period of time uh, as i looked at the court the way it is 
I'm my guess, and you correct me if I'm wrong, or correct my guess anyway. I mean, we've got about upwards of 50 years of this. No, I don't think so. I don't think this is going to last. This is this is also an aberration in U.S. history. I mean, the court has caused a lot of trouble. You know, we grew up. um, I was born the end of 45, so I grew up in my formative years with a liberal court. Um, uh, the court went liberal towards the end of the 30s. Mm-hmm. Franklin Roosevelt just got hammered by the U.S. Supreme Court. They threw out a lot of his stuff. And so he came at him and he got hammered for coming at the court. But then it went his way. And we, went, we uh, a couple of uh, a ju- a ju- judges retired. And then a, one, a, one or two of them turned liberal, actually. Mm-hmm. And then he got to put on liberal judges. And we had liberal court appointments through Nixon. So from the end of the 30s to the early 70s, we had a liberal court that made tremendous progress. You know, Brown and and, and Roe and all these other, Roe is at the very end of it, by the way. Right. 73, Roe versus Wade was one of the last liberal decisions. And then the court went the other direction. And now it's gone completely in the other direction. One of the main reasons, by the way, is the utter failure of the Democratic Party to fight for basic rights. I mean, you know, we have a gerontocracy running the Democratic Party, you know. We got Biden who's in his late 70s, and I'm I'm, uh, 76 myself, so you know what, I'm too old for AARP at this point. So, uh, you know, we got Schumer who's 70 or 71. You got Nancy Pelosi and Steny Hoyer and Jim Clyburn who are in their 80s. And then Dianne Feinstein who's about 150. So, you know, it, it's really uh, the Democratic Party is responsible for this. Mm-hmm. Ruth Bader Ginsburg should have resigned, you know, yeah. so that, and, and then they blew it with Merrick Garland and, uh, and Gorsuch. And, and then Amy and then Amy Barrett is, is Ruth Ginsburg's fault. She should have got off the court. And mm-hmm. you have these people, Pelosi, uh, Schumer, they won't let go. And they're not allowing a new generation of, young Democrats to come forward. And, you know, so the, the media loves to focus on, on AOC um, because she's so attractive and also extremely well-spoken. And mm-hmm. by the way, AOC, I know this is a shocker to many people, but AOC is old enough to be eligible to be president. Ah. And there are people in, in 24 by a month. But she uh-huh. is old. She, so um, there are people now pushing AOC for president. Wow. Now, whether whether she gets it or not, there has to be a generational change over here. Half, 50% of the country now is millennials and Zoomers. Mm-hmm. The millennials are the biggest generation in American history, bigger than the boomers by about 10 million. So, uh, you know, we're stuck bet- between a Democratic Party that is absolutely incompetent and impotent in so many ways. The, and because look, you had you, and I the MAGA movement, the right wing movement, is the fault of Bill Clinton and Barack Obama because mm. they didn't deliver. You know, the boomers. We finally got a president when 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 Clinton was elected. He and I are about the same age, and he comes in there, and what did Bill Clinton deliver? Nada, nothing, NAFTA, for God's sakes, you know, and. A, a long over Bill Clinton's great accomplishment as president was to spark a long overdue debate 
on oral sex. I mean, that's that's basically, you know, Bill Clinton's legacy. And then then Obama comes in and Obama had two things he could have done. When the crash of 28 came, uh, you know, the, the, the big short. And by the way, I, I strongly recommend everybody listening to this show to see the big short, the movie mm. with Steve All right. I've seen it four times. Yeah. I mean, it really explains what no, happened. It's stunning. It is stunning. Absolutely. You also need to see the great hack to understand what happened. The great hack to understand Cambridge Analytica and what happened in 2016. Okay. These guys stole the election through Facebook. You know, it was all Steve Bannon. And, uh, you know, they they understood social media, mm -hmm. as did Obama. But mm -hmm. Hillary Clinton did not and didn't deal with it. And that's why yeah, she lost, even though she won. So um, uh, we Obama comes in. He should have made massive structural reforms after the big short crash. And he should have gotten us out of Afghanistan. Yeah. If, he, if he had done those two things, Donald Trump would never have been president. Never. Not even mm. close. So the problem is working people in this country have nowhere to go. I mean, the Republican Party is a fascist party now, and they offer, you know, what they offer is race hate, and and the Democrats don't deliver. We have to have a generational changeover. And, and so the court basically has fallen into this niche where they got in and, and they're going to make, this is their moment. Uh, you got some really nasty people, you know, Alito, Thomas, Gorsuch, and Kavanaugh. These are bad guys. These are really bad guys. And they're making the most of it. The midterms are coming up. It's not really looking very promising for the uh, the Democratic Party at this point. What do you see happening over the next two years, right, leading up to the uh, the next general election? Well, I'm going to predict actually that the Democrats will hold the Senate. Uh, I hmm. think you've got you've got races in Arizona, Nevada, Florida, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, Ohio, and Michigan, and they are winnable. What's happened to the House is it's gotten gerrymandered. I mean, it, the House is fixed. It's rigged. Yeah. And it's a big problem. So, you know, that, that's where the Democrats really face the, the, the where the rubber's got to meet the road. Mm -hmm. It's about voting rights. But the gerrymandering does not work in the Senate. So voting rights is the big deal, but not not gerrymandering. And I think I think they have a chance to, to hold even move up a seat or two in the Senate. And here's another thing, of course. Both Clinton and Obama could have given statehood to Washington, D.C., where my sister and niece and nephew live and don't have a vote for president uh, or for the, the Congress. Uh, there would have been two seats there. We right. wouldn't all be groveling at the feet of Joe Manchin if the Democrats had done their job. So yeah. that's got to happen. But it's it's going to be rough. There's no doubt. But until we get these five people out of the control of the Democratic Party, uh, you know, Pelosi, Schumer, Clyburn, Steny Hoyer, and, and of course, Biden in the White House, then uh, we, we're going to have a rough, a rough time. This is Radio Free Galisteo. Music and information from the Galisteo Basin. Radio Free Galisteo is listener supported. Go to www.radiofreegalisteo.com and click on our Patreon support button to become an active supporting member of Radio Free Galisteo.
Okay, what's your advice to the party? Very simple. And, and, and I'm going to tell you right now, the answer is simple. It's grassroots campaigning. You know, I run a Monday Zoom call when I urge people to join it. Write me, Soatopia at Gmail. And John, you're going to come on our calls. Yep. And we talk about exactly this. How do we preserve our elections? And we had these conversations prior to the 2020 election, and we made a difference. And where we made a difference was we under we got to the people who really understand grassroots campaigning. You know, the Democrats love to take these hundreds of millions of dollars and throw them at um, uh, 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 TV advertising. Mm -hmm. And uh, it doesn't work anymore. Facebook and the others, you know, media, media, social media does work better. But bottom line is that we have to go to grassroots campaigning, door to door, face to face. And we did it in Georgia in 2020 and 21, right? And we had a grassroots campaign that did something that was inconceivable in American history, was elect to the United States Senator, Senate from the state of Georgia, home of the KKK, a black guy and a Jewish guy. I mean, the odds on that, you couldn't, you couldn't get Las Vegas odds on that. Right. So what we know now, we're starting a campaign right now to have, and people again write me, Sortopia Gmail, um, uh, to have grassroots campaigning in Arizona, New Mexico, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Arizona, Nevada, uh, Florida, North Carolina, all the swing states, Pennsylvania, uh, Ohio, Wisconsin. And, you know, and we also want progressive candidates because progress, all this talk about the Democrats going too far left, it's ridiculous. Hmm. Here are the issues that the American public supports. Medicare for all, free junior college education, abolition of student debt, abolishing homelessness, poverty, and hunger, saving the environment, uh, switching to renewable energy. These, this is the progressive agenda, protecting voter rights. This is the progressive agenda, and it is supported by the vast majority of the American public. So don't tell me about um, you know going too far left. This is where the core of American, the American public is, and this is what the progressive agenda should be and what the Democratic Party agenda should be. Who do you see as, uh, you mentioned AOC as, as a, and, and she clearly is already a leader in the party. Who else is uh, an up and coming leader that you see and think deserves support and recognition? Well, the person that I would support immediately for president is Sherrod Brown. Uh, he's a senator from Ohio. Right. He's, I know him. He's a good guy. He's, he, his instincts are progressive. A woman should run, of course, at very least for vice president. I'm not too keen on, on Kamala Harris. But, you know, and Biden has to step down. Biden cannot be the candidate in 24. He's mm -hmm. just too old. And, you know, it's just got to be dealt with. Uh, other candidates, I don't have very many in mind. I mean, Sherrod is, is my number one guy. Okay. The problem with Sherrod Browning in 24 is that he has a Senate seat that would go away mm. uh, in 24. Uh, but it has to be someone who's not 110 years old. I mean, that's what we really need is a candidate who uh, I, I love the guy from Pennsylvania, for example. John Fetterman. And he is a model. He Pennsylvania is, you know, a middle American state. 
here's a guy running, he's a pot smoker, outspoken pot smoker, totally in favor of Medicare for all, very progressive guy, and he's winning. Yeah. And, and if he stays healthy, he's going to win right. in Pennsylvania. Oh, yeah, that's his, that's his issue. So, so that's what we need. I like Elizabeth Warren, but she's already a little old, senator from uh, Massachusetts. Uh, but there, there are others. You know, if if you build it, they will come. We just have to get the gerontocracy out of control uh, of the Democratic Party, or else we're not going to move forward. Yeah, well, they clearly are interested in clinging to power. Uh, and uh, do you think that this midterm will be a wake-up for them? I hope so. Uh, but, you know, the wake-up can't wait till the midterm. Yeah. We can't have the wake-up at the midterm. The midterm, the, the wake-up was January 6th, when mm -hmm. the president of the United States wanted, to, and this is what we learned from that young woman. You know, we're in a position now, we have three Republicans who for whom we to whom we owe our democracy i mean it's hard to say this but mike pence saved american democracy and now we have liz cheney who i used to refer to as the spawn of satan but there she is you know uh and then this young woman 25 year old woman republican all her life she she worked for ted cruz for god's sakes cassidy hutchinson right and, and you know so these three republicans have come forward and what we've learned which was not clear, but we've learned that the president of the United States, Donald Trump, wanted to personally lead into the Congress a band of armed lunatics. That's what he wanted to do. He wanted these people with their AR-47s to personally walk in to the House and the Senate and blow, blow these people away. Hmm. We're talking third world here. We're talking yeah. Chile. And, 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 you know, in 74, I mean, this is, or three, this is, this is coup d'etat stuff. It was not clear to us. That's right. the wake up call. If they have to wait till this fall to lose the house and uh, as a wake up call, no, 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 no. The, the wake up call has already come. And, and that has not happened in U.S. history. Right. The great, you know, many issues with George Washington, but George Washington twice did something that no leaders do in history, which is walk away from power. Mm. After the revolution, he was in control of the Revolutionary Army. And nine times out of 10 in world history, the leader, the, the, the general who controls the Revolutionary Army takes over the country and creates a dictatorship. Right. You know, he didn't do it. He went home to farm. Then he was president of the United States, the first president of the United States. He was he was competent. He ran a uh, he ran a tight ship. In the 1796, he could have said, "You know what? I don't want to retire. I want to be president forever, or as long as I live." And uh, nobody would have stopped him. And he said, "You know what? I'm going home to farm uh, after I see my dentist." And and uh, John Adams, you 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 can be president, or, or Tom Jefferson, one or two of you, and I'm leaving. Nobody does that. Since then, until uh, 2020 and 21, all every no one has even questioned, no one has even questioned the idea of presidential succession. Right. There was a blip in 1876, but you know, and so what we know now, and if this isn't a wake-up call, what is? 
if Nancy Pelosi having, having to run out and Chuck Schumer running out of the House and Senate or they're going to be killed, you know, a, an armed mob missing the vice president of the United States by 40 feet, if that's not a wave up call, then what is? You know, so the Democrats have got to get their out, yeah. their, their act together or we're in deep trouble. Well, we will be finding out this fall if they have, and then we can't wait till this fall. We got to support these candidates for the Senate. We've got to get the we've got to get against all odds. We have to get the the Democratic Party between now and November to do grassroots organizing. That's okay. what we have to do. Monday, Monday, you have a group of smart folks getting together to talk about how to do that. Exactly. It's at uh, uh, 5 p.m. Pacific time, 4 p.m. your time in New Mexico. And you'll be on the call. Write me directly, solartopia at Gmail. The, e the um, website is grassroots EP for election protection. G-R-A-S-S-R-O-O-T-S-E-P dot org. And the link is there as our archives. We've, we've done this will be our 101st show coming okay. up. We've been going steady since April of 2020. We have between 60 and 100 people, uh, but they're great people. And, and um, you know, we've had uh, some great authors and activists on. And uh, this is, but this is where the Georgia miracle came from. If you can claim, as we can, to flip the state of Georgia, for God's sakes, to a black and a Jewish guy who then give us a 50-50 split in U.S. Senate, changing world history, then we know that grassroots organizing is the way to go. It's no mystery now. What we'll do is we'll make sure we have both your email and that link in the podcast uh, when people come. Right. To, and if you uh, email me, I will email you uh, how to get my people's spiral of U.S. history. I only, okay. spent 50, only took me 50 years to write it. And, um, and um, you know, next time I talk to you, John, there will be a quiz. So it's the people's spiral of U.S. history, and it covers it all. It starts with the indigenous, which right. nobody does, and uh, gets to Trump. So uh, we will, we, you, most of you guys, you'll enjoy it. Just write me. I'll tell you how to get it. Okay, fantastic. Harvey, final thoughts? Final thoughts are, um, you know, we are in deep, deep trouble. There's no doubt about it. But these guys have gone way too far. And, you know, a, 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 trying to stop abortion, they're not going to stop abortion. It's not, you know, I mean, come on. And, but if they take the next step and try and stop birth control, why don't they just outlaw sex? I mean, how about that? How well, how well is that going to work? You know, I mean, let, let's see about that one. So just remember, the indigenous had it together. And uh, Ben Franklin, uh, who's the real founder of this country, the real father of our country, really understood the indigenous it's in my people's spiral and we we, we got to go back to that and john i look forward to having you and your listeners on on the call on monday fantastic thank you harvey uh you've been listening to harvey sluggo wasserman here on radio free galisteo and for radio free galisteo i'm john shannon <laughs>